welcome back to the Axonal Podcast. I'm here with Joe. Hello. How are you this evening? All right. Very good. Thanks for asking. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> and we are back to the 50 state movie thingy. And we were on Pennsylvania, which is so funny that we kind of stalled out <laughs> on our own state. We had a couple movies to choose from, and then we decided to watch two other movies that weren't even on the list. Do you do you remember the one that we watched that you did not like? Well, which is the one that we did watch? We did end up watching Philadelphia. So we watched Philadelphia Story. We also watched Philadelphia Story because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't care for it. And you didn't care for she it. She was shouting all the time. <laughs> Uh, well, Catherine Hepburn has that Atlantic accent that isn't, I think that's what it's called, the Atlantic accent that doesn't really exist anymore. But it did, you know, um, back in, I don't know, like right, the 30s and 40s. And, and, well, yeah. No, yeah no, well, well, when you, when no, you think news, of old yeah. newscasters, that's the voice that you think sure. of. I'm not sure that they actually had that voice. But you know, she has that the whole time. I and mean, we saw her uh, in on Golden Pond, and she still had that accent. It wasn't just the accent. It was the shouting. It was the quick repertoire of, of the day. I mean, that that's how movie stars talked, see? And it was, it's, it's, they're, they're, uh, they're speaking very quickly. It's right. very fast. It, it, yeah, it's like so. You were having a hard time understanding what they were the, saying. The hits on whatever, and it was it's just it's such a it is such down. a funny movie. So like if it. if if you haven't seen it, dear listener, it's about um, so Catherine Hepburn plays a woman who is getting ready for her wedding, and her ex husband shows up. And also a reporter and a photographer. And there's just all this stuff going on. And she's kind of mixed up feeling wise. She's a player. And, she, and she's still in love with her ex-husband, uh, who's played by Cary Grant, who is very debonair the whole time. And Jimmy Stewart's also in there, who's being a bumbling Jimmy Stewart character. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, it's funny and... Um, it's a, I think it's delightful, but you didn't like it because you didn't understand what they were saying. But we'll get into the movie that we did watch. Do you want to? Do you want a recap of the movies that we were supposed to watch that we didn't watch? I don't even remember what what else was on the list. <laughs> no, you mean what was on the list besides the two movies that we ended up watching? Mm-hmm. There was Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Which I don't remember what that was about. I remember, yeah, I don't even remember. Uh, there was Fences, which I really, really wanted to watch. And I still do really want to watch. That's that's based on an August Wilson play. August Wilson's a very important playwright. And, and is from Pittsburgh. Oh. And uh, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh, which is a basketball movie. Which is funny because we've never had a basketball never, team. Well, uh, at some point we may have. I don't think that we've ever had a basketball team. Not to be confused with A Fish Called Wanda. No, no, no. That's not about basketball at all. Or pitch. That's about a fish. Mm-hmm. An actual fish. And, named Wanda. And Ken. Can I can I level with you? Sure. I've never seen the whole thing. How is that possible? I don't even know. I've seen no, parts of it. That's a movie we should watch. I don't know what state it was well, filmed in. But. Uh, I want to make a little announcement. I, I did have an idea during our break of another 
I don't know what you want to call like uh, another segment we can call late to the party, which is when you end up watching a movie that everybody else has seen except for you. And you're like, I never saw it. It's kind of like, what did we watch? And I hated that I had never seen before. What about Bob? Well, there was that too. But a great um, film. No, we, we watched something recently that that you could not believe I had never seen before. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember. But whatever. <clears throat> so, um, so Philadelphia. It's a 1993 drama starring Tom Hanks as Andrew Beckett and Denzel Washington as Joe Miller. It also stars Jason Robards as, as Beckett's boss. Do you know Jason Robards? Don't recall. He was in The Day After, the, the nuclear bomb movie that scared the crap out, out of us as kids. Sure. He played like the the farmer who had all those kids. I think he's a doctor. He played the doctor, I think. But I think he owned a farmhouse and had like lots of, he had like daughters and stuff. You don't remember that at all? No. The movie's so scary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mr. Uh, Oh, his boss's name is Mr. Wheeler. Um, And Antonio Banderas, very, very young, might have been one of his first um, roles as Andrew Beckett's partner, Miguel Alvarez. And also a young Anne Dowd. As Andrew Beckett's sister. You know who Anne Dowd is, right? No. That's Aunt Lydia. Who? Aunt Lydia from Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's in it. Super duper young. Enjoy her. Yes. Much better in this movie than in in Handmaid's Tale, right? Sure. So, Joe, what's this movie about? Tom Hanks is a business guy. I think a lawyer. He's a lawyer. And he's gay. Yes, but he's not he, out to anybody. No, he's not. Except for obviously his friends. But he has AIDS. Yeah. yeah well, he gets sick. And uh, I don't even think he tells them I have AIDS. They just kind of... Well, that's the whole point. Yeah, assume that he does. Well, that that's... He gets fired. Right. And then he sues them. Yes. Um, and that's the whole point is, did they know? And was that the reason why he was fired? And there's that fellow that... Had suspicions because a coworker at a previous job had mm-hmm. similar symptoms. Yes, uh, the lesions mm-hmm. specifically. So, do you want to get into this? Like, do you remember anything that you liked, or do you want me to start? Well, I mean, Tom Hanks is an incredible actor. He's not only funny; he can do drama. This might have been, as far as I know, is this his first dramatic role? Actually, yeah. So this is um, the first dramatic role that he did besides Big. And Big is kind of like a half comedy. comedy But he does have some like real drama going on there, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, this is like the first thing you're really seeing Tom Hanks in where he is not being silly and funny. Right. And big drama was, you know, 13-year-old boy drama and grown man body drama. So it was still funny. Well, I mean, you know, and in big, he has to decide whether or not he wants to stay in this adult body or right. go back to being a kid. You know, and, and all what all goes with being a kid. Sure. Or what all goes with being an adult. Much more serious movie. 
Philadelphia? Yeah. Yes. Philadelphia is much, much I don't think that he's funny at any point during during uh during Philadelphia at all. There there was some back and forth between him and Antonio Banderas that was lighthearted at least. Oh yeah. Well, it has to be. Or, you know, they don't really have much a relationship, do they? Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he, his character is a very serious character, e- even very serious even movie. even without you know being sick and fired right. and everything. Kind of a kind of a downer. I don't know. I mean, I guess. Yeah. The thing I really like about it is like I really really dislike lawyer shows. Sure. Like TV shows and stuff like that, um, but. You know, of the lawyer movies that I can think of off the top of my head, I really like lawyer movies. Is this a true story? Is it based on a true there, it is, story? It is loosely based on things, and I'll get into that with the facts. Because the only reason to watch a downer of a movie is if it's at least historical fiction. You know right, I mean? right. Well, I can tell in, you... In my opinion, that's the only reason to watch a downer of a movie. I mean, like Schindler's List. Why do people watch that? Which, hey, late to the show. I have tried to watch it several times, uh, and I have never finished it because I really didn't like it. <laughs> okay. I, I love the subject matter. I love that there was this man who saved all of these people from, from certain death. And actually, in college, I went to go see a spoken word, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, uh, from a man who was a consultant on the film who actually was on Schindler's List. I see. Um, and it was a fantastic um, spoken word, and it was it was wonderful. And, and I thought at that time, I should probably give that movie a second a second try. And then I tried again. And I was like, I just much rather watch this man tell me about what happened than watch this movie. Right. Right. But back to the historical accuracy of uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. I'm curious to, to hear what, you know, true stories it did pull from, because you and I were certainly both alive at the time. It was filmed in 93. You said, Mm -hmm. was it also based supposed to be based in 93 or 90, 91, so somewhere around there? Well, probably like, yeah, probably like in the 80s, probably the late 80s, I bet. Right. Well, for much of the 80s, I, I really wasn't paying attention to current mm. events. No. Uh, but I, we we both were alive during w- when AIDS was yeah. at its uh, most damaging. Yeah. Did So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear... About that. So did you, so I remember being in health class and learning about it and, mm-hmm. and they really didn't know a whole lot about it at that time. They just, you just knew that it obviously was an autoimmune deficiency uh, or disorder or whatever. And, uh, and that it attacked your, your white blood cell kind of thing and like made it hard for you to fight off any kind of disease. But mm-hmm. I don't remember anyone ever telling me how it was transmitted or anything. It was just a disease that we learned about in health class. Yeah, we, we learned it was a disease for gay men. So Did if you? you're not gay or with anybody who's with gay people, Do you, remember you should be okay. Do you remember what grade you were in? 
high school. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I remember learning about it in junior high. So, I mean, and that was like, you know. Don't get me wrong. I don't know that that verbatim was said in health class, mm. but that's the message that was received by my peers, by me and my peers no. at that time. Whether it was parents telling kids and kids telling other kids, but that was just a known fact. It's a gay people's disease and you get it by being with gay people. Yeah. Even when I was in college, now this is like around the time that this is coming out, I remember being in health class and that because you had to take health class in college. And even in that, they were saying like anybody obviously can get it. But this is a predominantly gay men disease. And I remember being absolutely horrified that that was being said. And, and I'm not saying that like it's, you know, uh, probably statistically true, but saying that to college kids mm -hmm. is not exactly not the idea. best idea I've ever heard. Huh? It so was if you're just, not a gay man, throw caution to the wind. Oh, it was just like, and I remember it being on the final and I'm like, do I answer this? <laughs> How do I answer this? Do I answer this for the grade or do I answer this like, you know, truthfully? Right. Oh, well. And it, it uh, that that stigma still exists sure. to this day. You, gay men can't donate blood. Yeah, for instance. Ugh, there's it's a just a questionnaire that says, "Have you had sex <sighs> with a man in the past year?" It's so stupid. Even if you're married to that man, just so it's and, it's and monogamous. It yeah, doesn't just it doesn't. Didn't, didn't I just read that they were they were thinking about stopping that? I sent you something from the human rights campaign. Right, that's that, what that it was. Is something they're working towards stopping. To try to get. Yes. Because that's you know, with with like you know blood donor shortages and stuff, it's it's ridiculous to not to completely you know shut off a group of people. I wonder. I I've never given blood before because I'm a wimp. But did it. Does it ask you like other questions? If like you've been tattooed in the last three months, yes. That stuff because too. Of hepatitis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like, and or they like can they can screen the blood for AIDS and hepatitis as well. So why but not? But it's not a hundred percent foolproof no. screening. There, yeah. there are positives that could still get through. So it's another measure to make sure that the blood supply is safe. It's crazy. Well, back to the whole uh, lawyer thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that the movie is really great because it's wonderfully acted. The plot's really easy to follow because there's not a whole lot of legalese. Like, you can kind of sit there and, 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 and follow it without having any kind of trouble at all. And, and I really love how that while the trial is going on, you yourself aren't really sure, like, what happened. You, you, because they the partners really did like him. So did they really fire him because he had AIDS and, and the stigma that goes around that? Or was he fired because some papers were lost or something like that? And, and maybe he wasn't doing a good job right. prior to that because, because, you know, of his illness, maybe he was, you know, um, distracted, obviously. Sure. So where's the legal view on that? I mean, if you're, Suffering from a disease that makes you incapable of doing the job that they're paying you to do. Yeah. And they do they let you go? Yeah. I mean, where's the company 
What's a company? Especially, what's a company to do? Yeah, what are they supposed to do? Because I mean, it really does seem like they really, they really cared about him, and uh, they've worked together for so long. And you and I both know, working for our companies for a very long time, that you 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 develop these friendships that are kind of almost like family. So, mm-hmm. so I do really love that. Like, even even though like the verdict was what it was you you don't really know did if they knew or they didn't know and i really love how the one guy who the one guy that seemed to have known about legions prior i i believe that he does show up a little spoiler alert uh that andrew beckett he ends up dying but he does show up at his wake at the end which was nice i mean that's what would happen you know you would Right, go go to a co-worker. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I, I I do love how it is such a snapshot in time, uh, but even like all of the statistical, you know, research from the eighties and everything, and and you know by ni- the early nineteen nineties, I mean this is still kind of like a, geez, I mean we're pretty sure we know like what's going on here, but we're not one hundred percent sure, and you know. Um, treatments and stuff like that are still pretty brand new. So I gathered some research from AMFAR, which is the Foundation for AIDS Research, if you're interested. Just a couple little factoids. Sure. All right. So the AIDS epidemic had been noted since 1981 and called the gay cancer, um, as it suggested that there was a link to homosexuality in the media. It was less reported that there were also cases in hetero man, hetero men at that time, which I think is interesting that there it wasn't 100 percent in the uh, gay population. There were heterosexual men that also had it and also some women and hemophiliacs. And obviously that's from blood transfusions. So this is when it's suspected that the disease has to do with blood and sexual contact because that those are the only ways that people are contracting this disease. So in 1981, there are 159 cases reported. All right. So then in 1985, do you remember Ryan White? I don't. He was a teenage boy. Uh, He contracted AIDS from hemophilia and he's not allowed to go to school. Um, so this is when you're starting to see the fear of AIDS starting to affect people's civil liberties. So by 1986, trials of AZT are started, and it's approved for treatment in 1987 for $10,000 for one year supply. Yeah. So got $10,000 lying around? Sure, you can get the treatment for your horrible, crippling disease that is going to kill you, you know? So in 1990s, now we're nine years later, there are almost 161,000 cases of AIDS reported to that date. That's that's quite an explosion. Yes. Uh, and to not get too political, but the Reagan administration uh, has a lot of fault in that. Well, heck with Reagan. What I want to know is what did Jerry Falwell say about this? <laughs> I'm sure he didn't have a lot of great <laughs> things to say about it. <laughs> Um, do you do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. No, but I'm sure he had a yeah, thing or two. I'm to sure say all of it. the uh, TV preachers had a lot to say about it. All right. <laughs> so then, by 1983, when the movie comes out, AIDS patients are showing signs of resistance to AZT, 
and the CDC revises its definition of AIDS to include more types of infections and HIV-positive people whose T-cell count is under 200, and this increases the number of AIDS cases by 111%, um, and many of them are women. So... I, I found what Jerry Falwell said uh-huh. about this. He said, AIDS is not just God's punishment for homosexuals. It is God's punishment for the society that tolerates homosexuals. Oh, how lovely. <laughs> That's very <clears throat> understanding and very Christian of him. So by 1993, uh, about 235,000 people have died from AIDS. That's That's a lot of people. And I feel like, you know, especially by 1983, you and I are, you know, young adults, but mm-hmm. we're adults and we're living our lives and, and everything. And I feel like that number was kind of shoved under a rug mm-hmm. because, yeah, with the exception of maybe a handful of people. I mean, these are these are the invisible people right in this in society. You know? What are the numbers today? I, I don't I have no idea. I don't know. <clears throat> but. You know, we're in a pandemic right now where those those are similar numbers. And I still feel like people are really numbed and not really. I guess when it, when a number gets so high, you're just kind of like, well, I don't even know how to process that. I wonder if COVID-19 has caused STD rates to drop. I've been wondering if a lot of diseases have real like, does the common cold even exist anymore? <laughs> I'm sure it does. But I'm just saying, like, like I haven't had, like, like I'm kind of stuffed up now, but I feel like that has more to do with, like, just, like, aller- like you know, winter allergies type, type thing. But, I mean, I haven't had a sore throat in over a year. And <laughs> I haven't had, like, a stuffed up nose or... Right? I don't even know if people have been dating during COVID-19. Sure does that even have. happen? I, I mean, don't know who- how that works. How does that happen? Yeah, I guess you do Zoom dating. Maybe. Maybe you take a chance and go out on a date with somebody. Mm-hmm. Although that's really stupid. Yeah. But then again, you're kind of stupid whenever you're in your early 20s. Sorry about the early 20s people listening, but you're kind of stupid right now. <laughs> you're not going to you're not even going to become even like close to intelligent until your 30s. But that and, being said, you know, in the middle of an AIDS pandemic, turning, you know, and we were going to college, right? Yeah. Nobody sat us down really and say, you, everybody knew about AIDS and you knew it was out there. Yeah. But nobody sits kids down and says, no. look it. <laughs> well, that's because. Look but, it, dummy. But, but that's really because, and I don't know if things are different now, but I mean, especially like in the 80s, like they're still preaching abstinence and they're, you're, you might be learning about, but you got to get a note from your parents saying it's okay for, you know, them to talk to you about like STDs and stuff like that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like this whole like shoving under, shoving under a rug type stuff, burying your head in the sand. It doesn't, if I don't see it, it doesn't exist kind of thing. And it's, mm-hmm. and um, I do think, though, that in the early 90s, we did get into a period of time where um, safe sex was really, like, pushed forward. And there was and there was a lot of stuff about, um, you know, no means no and that and that kind of stuff. So I, I feel like you and I were in college during a time when things were a little bit more cautious. Right. Although, well, I, I don't mean, know how much. I, I don't I don't know how right? much that really like. But you would like to think that it did help a little bit. 
I'm telling you, the gym teacher should just sit all the high school boys down and, and play the, the, the <laughs> movie that I saw in basic training. We'd solve a lot. The military. What? So can you can you explain or, or is that classified information? Yeah, I can tell you. But then I, uh, it, it was just disturbing. They showed the results of these diseases. Yeah. I mean, you've been to the Mutter Museum and you've seen syphilitic yeah. skulls. And oh, stuff. I love that museum. Right. That's in Philadelphia. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> No, if you ever go to the if you ever go to Philadelphia, you have to go to the Mutter Museum. It is, or sometimes it's called the Mutter Museum. I don't know which one's um, correct, but yeah, it is a museum of medical oddities, and it is the best. Well, it, you have much nicer things to say about that museum than I can say about the basic training <laughs> video. It wasn't no. syphilitic skulls; they just showed us genitalia that has been ravaged by <laughs> any disease you yeah. can think of. In college, I took a class called Human Sexuality that everybody always talked about. And it, it wasn't like it was hard to get into. I mean, there was only like one class, I guess, but it wasn't, you you know, uh, full or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, we, ta- we talked about like all sorts of like dysfunctions and deformities. And I loved every waking moment of it because I really love gross ridiculous things but like so did they classify homosexuality as a dysfunction no 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 it was uh i mean there's just like classifications of like people who like this people who like that you know what's that psychology book with all of the psychology uh oh there's a name for it the the whole list of everything everything from uh adhd to schizophrenia it it outlines everything all right, you keep talking. I'm going to figure it I don't, out. I don't know what that's called. So uh, another thing I really love about this movie is every time I watch it, I think, oh, I've watched this whole thing and I didn't cry this time. Like by the time it gets to the end, you know, it's sad. You know, he, he like wins his case and and then he unfortunately he dies soon after. And, you know, and it ends and I'm like, I'm like, oh, everything's fine. And I didn't cry this time. But then... At his wake, like after it ends, everything ha- like everything ends, they start playing this eight millimeter film of this little boy, uh, and it's supposed to show like Andrew Beckett as a little boy and how much he was loved by his mother. And even thinking about it makes me like almost cry because <laughs> it's just so beautiful. And every time I watch it, I am just like lump in my throat. My I just start like crying so bad because. There's something about seeing people, for me, there's something about seeing people as children that will get me every mm-hmm. single time. Like, you could show me, like, an absolute monster. Like, show me, show me like, video footage of, like, John Wayne Gacy as a little boy. <laughs> and I'll be like, he was so oh. nice. And look how, well, I don't think he actually was loved by his father. But, I mean, like, look how much his parents loved him. I'm, and I'm not sure that's true. But, you know what I mean? Like, like. It's a, it's a little kid who's like got their whole life ahead of them mm-hmm. and like messed up stuff happens to everybody, right. you know, and some people have much I more. They did that in this movie? Yeah. And uh, I. W- was there swelling violins at this? No, no. It's <clears throat> Neil Young singing. And I don't uh... even really like Neil Young for that matter. But it's just such a beautiful piece to add that at the end. Um, and you want to know something really funny? So that's actual home movies as Tom Hanks. Oh. 
fun. So I thought that's really neat. Like they've got they've got eight millimeter film of Tom Hanks as a little boy. Well, yeah, let's throw that in there and make it mm-hmm. seem like like this is like our title character. And, and you know. I always wonder that when I see like kid footage of people in movies or even TV shows. Like, mm-hmm. is that really little Kimmy Schmidt? Um, I think so, and I think that's that's young Jane Krakowski too. <laughs> Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> oh boy! So, did you find what the name of the book is? Of course, I did. Don't oh. you love the internet? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Literally, wealth of knowledge in the palm of my hand here. Um, Which in 1993 we did not we have. Did not Somebody have could just back. say something, and you're like, "That must be fact." I don't know. Right, but no, I, we were talking about sexual dysfunction and uh-huh. how things are listed in this big book of psychology, yeah. Yeah. and whether homosexuality was actually listed in that book. I don't have that information, but I did find the name of the book. And when I say it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah. It's, it's the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. <laughs> I don't. I didn't know the name You didn't of know that? No. I've listened to what? a ton of podcasts, NPR, and no. various things. It seems things like something I would know that. about, though. Right? Since I really, to... I really love, like, disturbing Right. We're going to have to diseases have a and stuff. all about that. I don't think I'm qualified to do that. I'm not sure I'm qualified <laughs> to do this podcast, but I, I do it anyways. Speaker. I could be like, I could be like, uh, have a disclaimer at the beginning of every episode saying like, Tina's completely talking out of her ass. So just like go with it. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. So did you have anything that you really loved about this movie other than that you thought it was acted really well or really really good acting i I think it does give insight to that time Mm -hmm. um are are we still getting to the bit about the the facts i still have my facts to go through the stories that it's based on yep yeah i I mean i'll hold my opinion until i hear those because i'm curious to know yeah so uh tom hanks who was in the 80s, he's not a fat guy at all. He's a young guy mm-hmm. and everything. But he uh, had to lose 30 pounds for this role. And this is when we start seeing, like, so Tom Hanks starts doing these dramatic roles. And he does this a lot. Like, he's, like, skinny, then he's fat, then he's skinny, then he's fat. Right. And I kind of feel like the poor man probably did a number on his health uh, during that time. Regular size is the uh, FedEx guy and then skinny on an island. Right. Well, that one, I think think that they filmed that backwards so like he had to lose all this weight to play like stranded on an island for five years or however long it was and then he got to be like normal size to play like a uh, beginning of the movie him and then he had to get even more to be the uh pilot in uh what he was playing sully <laughs> i don't think he was fat playing sully fat. it just wasn't regular tom hanks size <laughs> Um, in a 1994 Entertainment Weekly article, it was reported that Jonathan Demme, who's the director of this film, uh, wanted Ron Vauter to play one of the partners, but TriStar didn't want to hire him because he was HIV positive and the insurance company covering the firm did not want to extend coverage to him. Hmm. Um, Demme insisted on hiring Vauter not only because he wanted him for that role, but also pointed out the irony of what they were doing versus the message of the entire film. <laughs> so that was kind of, uh, I believe Ron Vauter is the one who plays the guy who had noticed the lesions and had um, said that he knew what was going on. Uh, the movie's producers approached 
Action AIDS, which is a nonprofit, to help them recruit 50 or so men whose appearance was indicative of having the disease. Within a few years, about 40 or so of them would be dead from AIDS, including Ron Vater. The one thing I really, really noticed, and I had to look it up as soon as we got done watching it, was that I noticed that a lot of people are acting directly to the camera, which I thought was really interesting. And it really makes it seem like I really feel like that makes it like you're in this film and that you are uh, whatever character they're speaking to. And I thought it was done deliberately to challenge the audience to look at their own biases and ignorance and cause people to think about their prejudice you know, to like what's happening mm -hmm. on screen. But actually, uh, this seems to be a Jonathan Demme trademark that he does this a lot. So it could uh, serve for both. All right. So here's what you were talking about. So this is based in part on an AIDS discrimination lawsuit brought on by Jeffrey Bowers, uh, who, much like Beckett, was fired under questionable terms and had also contracted AIDS. Uh, Bauer's family sued the writers and producers of this film because they had been interviewed by the by a producer for the basis of the film. They were told they would be compensated. And the family said that there were 54 scenes that were very similar to Jeffrey's story. The defense um, stated that the producer, uh, that producer abandoned the project and that he did not share any of that information with um the, that the family provided with the new writer, but the lawsuit was settled um, and the agreement was not released. Although the defense did end up admitting that the movie was based in part by Jeffrey Bauer's story. Oh. So there you go. Hmm. It's kind of true. Yeah. So then, yeah, absolutely. I, I do recommend seeing it because it's, it's historically accurate. Yeah. I guess. So the statement was, uh, this motion picture was inspired in part by Jeffrey Bowers' AIDS discrimination lawsuit. The courage and the love of the um, Angius family and the struggles of many others who, along with their loved ones, have experienced discrimination because of AIDS. So there you go. All right. There's Philadelphia. Um, really quickly, the budget was um, to, uh, $26 million to make and it grossed $207 million. So in 1994 at the Oscars, uh, Tom Hanks wins for Best Actor and Bruce Springsteen wins for Best Original Song, The Streets of Philadelphia, which I'm not, you don't like Bruce Springsteen at all. I and I kind of, I kind of like him a little bit. I like the, I like what Bruce Springsteen, like what he is, you know, as a, an American songwriter, kind of like a kind of folk hero kind of person. I don't much like his music either, but I really love Streets of Philadelphia. Hmm. There are songs, and when I like a song by him, I really, really like it. But I'm not I'm not listening to it in my car. <laughs> Although if it comes on the radio, I'll listen to it. Yeah, I don't like anything about him. I'm like, tuck that red bandana back in your pocket. <laughs> That's like an album for <laughs> like the early 80s. That's hmm. born in the USA. I mean, it's so long ago. He doesn't even have a bandana in his back pocket anymore. Or maybe he does. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, let's see. So it's nominated for Best Original Screenplay Makeup, which the makeup in this is really uh, fantastic. And Neil Young's song at the end of the movie called Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, at the 1994 Golden Globes, 
Tom Hanks and Bruce Springsteen win again, and it's nominated again for Best Original Screenplay. And then Bruce Springsteen won again for Streets of Philadelphia at the 1995 Grammys. So it gets tons of awards, which means it's good, right? Yes, yeah, clearly. So do you want to know what's what state is next? What state is next? All right. So we are headed to a place that you and I have never been before. Maine? But, but we, yes, we would like to be. Yeah. We, we, we're talking about maybe going to Maine mm-hmm. if we're allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> this summer. So uh, here are the movies that I had picked out that are taking place in Maine. One of them is Pet Shaw- Cemetery. No, <laughs> we've already seen Pet Cemetery. One of them is Shawshank Redemption. We've already seen Shawshank Redemption. Well, I know, but I mean, we we watched we watched uh, Pet Cemetery for Wait, what? This. What Shawshank Redemption is supposed to be in Maine? Yep, but. Really? Yep. That doesn't make Did any we sense. watch? Did we watch? I thought that was in one of, uh, Southern State. Oh no, we didn't. We didn't watch uh, Pet Cemetery for this thing. I watched that with Michael because he had never seen it before. Mm-hmm. We did an episode on it. The Dead Zone, which is based on a Stephen King book about a school teacher who wakes up from a coma with psychic powers. Ooh. Ooh. I I confused that with Firestarter. Firestar is about a little girl who can is set fire. Is there some to crossover? Things. Yeah, I know that. I think there's some crossover there because the Institute, the... I don't know. Nah. Okay, go on. What uh, else? The next one is Iron Giant. That was me too. great. Huh? It's an animated movie about a giant space robot that lands in a little main town. And oh no, the government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the last one is the Spitfire Grill. I don't think I've seen that. I don't think you have either. I don't think that you would ever see it. I have, and I love this movie. What's it about? So it's a movie about a girl who leaves prison and travels to a little main town to work at a cafe. And there's drama and mistrust and growth. uh, And it's nice. (laughs) It's nice. Uh, I'll just to like uh, you know uh, expand on a little bit. Is this the, like Yaya Pizza Pants? Is it one of those movies? <laughs> Yaya Pizza Pants. It's not like that, no, is it? No, okay. No. Has Ellen? So Ellen Bernstein owns this cafe, and she's not like it's not financially doing very well. So the girl is like, oh well, what you could do is have like an essay contest where everybody. They can buy the they can buy the business for ten dollars. All they have to do is like send ten dollars in their essay, and then you pick the best one. You get money, obviously, for your cafe, and that person hmm. bought a cafe hmm. for ten dollars. Okay, but yeah, there's all this like mistrust because I mean, obviously, she's a convict and like this like a old lady who, you know, is trying to sell her place. And um, yeah, I really liked it. So I'll the only movie That's out of the these, only one I haven't seen. You, you didn't see Dead Zone, did I'm you? I'm pretty sure that I have. I'm pretty sure. I haven't seen Dead Zone. <laughs> but sure. we've already done a Stephen King thing. Yeah. So obvious, So that takes out the first two because <laughs> Shawshank Redemption Those is Those are the only movies on. you can find made in Maine. No, this, these are like, I, I read through and I'm like, these would be ones that are interesting and maybe indicative of oh, that area. Okay. Of course, if you live in Maine and you can think of a better movie that better depicts your state... You can let me know. I'm going to 
Otherwise, I guess we're going to watch the Spitfire Grill. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm all for that. But I'll ask Melanie, who lives in Maine. Mm. Your cousin lives in Maine, too. Yes, she does. You know all these people live in Maine, and we've never been to Maine. I know. Well, I guess that's it for this week. Um, you can visit us on Twitter and Facebook and what's the other one with the pictures? Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and also email us at theaccidentalpod at gmail.com. Yes. So I guess that's it for this week. Do you want to say goodbye? Bye. Oh, okay. See ya. Bye.